1: Conversations on Dance is generously supported by Yumiko. Have you seen the recent collaboration between MB Studios and Yumiko? Check out their website, yumiko.com, or their Instagram at Yumiko and at Yumiko World to view these new designs that include bags and backpacks that come in all shapes and sizes, and adorable makeup bags that say Mared, Susu, and Biaswan. Yumiko has also recently released a new line of t-shirts and tote bags that you will want to make sure you check out. It's all up now on yumiko.com. This episode is brought to you by the Town of Vale, a sponsor helping to host the Vale Dance Festival in our community. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro.
3: And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance.
1: Today we are bringing you a live podcast recording from the Vale Dance Festival with American Ballet Theater Principal Dancer James Whiteside. This episode was recorded on July 27th, 2019, the morning before the premiere of his newest work, New American Dream. Unfortunately, we did come up against some technical difficulties, so we are sharing this podcast from a backup file with a little lower quality than we are used to. We apologize for the inconvenience, but we felt that this conversation with James was too enjoyable for our audience to miss. Enjoy.
3: Well, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. It's our first festival forms this year here at Veil Dance Festival. My name is Michael Breeden.
1: And I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And we're the hosts of the podcast, Conversations on Dance. And we're former uh, dancers with Miami City Ballet. And we're thrilled to be here at the Veil Dance Festival for two weeks this year, where we will do seven of these kinds of events with different festival artists. And we're really thrilled to be able to bring this to you.
3: Our first festival art, uh, artist today is James Whiteside. And it's also James's birthday. So so we're doubly thankful that he Woo-hoo. came out to talk to us. <laughs>
1: <Thanks. Yay. laughs>
4: hey, how's it going, y'all? Good. good. <laughs>
1: so just before you came to Vail, you had completed the most grueling part of American Ballet Theatre's season, which is the eight weeks Met season. So you danced uh, Tharp, uh, Ratmansky. you did Jane Eyre. What was the highlight of that eight weeks for you? Was there anything in particular that stood out as a fun debut or something new that you were a part of?
4: I think Ratomsky's *The Seasons* and Kathy Marston's *Jane Eyre* were mm-hmm. standouts for me. Mm-hmm. Um, on the whole, I feel like this season—I uh, don't know—I was on so much this season. It was the most grueling season of my career, mm-hmm. and you know, when you get to that level of exhaustion, you can either sink or you can thrive. And mm-hmm. I felt pretty good. I have <laughs> to say, I really—I loved it. I loved it. I felt great on stage. I was having fun with my peers. The company's in a great place. The dancers look getting awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it just felt good to be
3: out there, really good. Mm-hmm. I-, I like that you brought up um, Kathy and Alexi, who are, to my eyes, two very different, they have very different methods of choreography. Their work looks completely different. And I think that speaks to something that those of us that know you um, know is a real you know, a defining trait of yours, that you like to explore every different um, possibility and outlet. So um, what was it about those particular works this year, Uh, Alexei Rotmanski's The Seasons and Jane Eyre with Kathy Marston, what what about those processes um, made you as an artist tick?
4: Well, I'd say, like you said, my favorite thing is transforming from character to character and I think ABT allows for that beautifully with the theater aspect of dance um, but working with Alexi uh, I mean if he's the cult leader I'm drinking the Kool-Aid mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I adore him I think he's absolutely brilliant and he pushes me to a place that I, I don't get to on my own mm-hmm. um, he's incredibly frustrating but but so charming and I just adore him and the seasons was the jam I loved it <laughs> yeah uh, and then Kathy came in and I didn't know, know what to expect I didn't want to do too much research because I wanted to be present and not have any preconceived notions. And the process was just so lovely. We were in a crazy rehearsal period, one that really I thought I was going to die. We were going, it was weeks of of going 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. without a lunch break. So if we have our union fives, we have to shovel some pasta down our gullet before the next rehearsal. (laughs) It's
2: grotesque.
4: (laughs) I'm like literally chewing arugula and like learning a step. Mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us why um, Mansky can be frustrating? I always love to talk mm. with dancers about him. For those um, of us who haven't worked with him, tell us a little more about.
4: He's relentless mm-hmm. in his demands. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, I believe it's quite unsympathetic. Um, you have to get over the injustice <laughs> to <laughs> succeed. And know that he is first and foremost looking out for his dance. Mm -hmm. And if you can get to a place that he, I don't know, sees fit, it's a really happy harmony Mm -hmm. between choreographer and dancer. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we've achieved that. Like, especially when Bella and I are dancing together, we have a a great working relationship with Alexi Mm -hmm. We call him. Well, no, I won't. I won't. <laughs> Don't tell us all the secrets. I know, right? <laughs> Save uh, it for the memoir.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one project that was um, very heavy in storytelling, but a very different project that you took on last year um, was Arthur Pita's *The Tenant*. You did a week-long stint at the Joyce for that. Um, to my eyes, it's about as un-ABT male principal of a project as you can get. <laughs> Um, but then what excited you about that? What made you think that I have to do this? And can you tell us why you think my description works?
4: No, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, that's great. Um, okay. So this, it was a dance play and it was super spooky. Uh, it was a lot of storytelling and it was dark and moody and, uh, dealt with possession and transformation and, and suicide, honestly. And uh, it had a level of kitsch that, that appealed to me when he told me about the story. And then I read the book. I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to play this character. It's, it's correct for me. I need this in my life. And uh, we started working on it. And I don't know, it just it felt more and more like something I needed to do. And I feel like that process transformed my ability to take on different characters uh, in a way that just doing classical ballets never did. Mm -hmm. like going from Albrecht to Siegfried to Desiree, it didn't give me the insight that that process did. And now when I take on these different roles, Arthur's process creeps into my mind Mm -hmm. and it's completely changed my ability to act, which is for the better, absolutely for, for the better.
1: Right. So interesting, we were going to ask you how that sort of informs your work at American Ballet Theatre, so you felt right away after that process that you could tell a difference with your work. So how did that kind of manifest itself? When did you first notice, maybe you were in a rehearsal and approaching a role in a different way, and you noticed it was because of that process?
4: Well, I have always had trouble with the character of Prince Siegfried. Mm-hmm. I find him rather irritating. Uh, so only very recently have I discovered what Prince Siegfried is to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Prince Siegfried is trapped in circumstance. And uh, as a young person, as a teenager, I felt similarly. And uh, and finding the, the relatability factor for me to create a character, uh, using your own experiences to generate a feeling that you've perhaps had before and create a different person within that mm-hmm. uh has become part of how i approach characters and so this year when we did swan lake it just felt it felt like a breakthrough honestly mm-hmm. and i'm not talking about the dancing like the dancing is okay <laughs> but um uh, <laughs> but you know it was the first time i figured out who he was for me and mm-hmm and I could show it to people, which is something I, I wasn't able to do before. That's wonderful. You know, that makes me
3: wonder then what your thought process is for Albert, because Albrecht I think is often brought up as a more problematic character than Siegfried because he's kind of a cad, or you can play him as total romantic, you know. Um, but what, what, what do you approach that with? Because I- otherwise the story can, it can fall apart if we don't like him.
4: Right. Absolutely. I mean, it can fall apart if I don't like him, <laughs> which I have yet to. I, I haven't yet had my Swanlit, my Siegfried moment with Albrecht. Hmm. I can do a passable show, but, uh, but it's coming. We're doing it next year and it's, uh-huh. it's going to be correct.
1: <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the Veil Dance Festival. When was your first time coming here and how did it, your invitation
4: to the festival come about?
1: Maybe we have to think back pretty far, right? I no idea. It, yeah, yeah, maybe
4: 13 or 14, mm-hmm. uh, 13, 14. Yeah. I don't remember what I did. Maybe it was Duo concertante, actually, uh-huh. with Tyler Peck. Um, was that a I,
1: premiere at that time for you?
4: No, I had yeah. just done it at ABT. Okay. And they were like, oh, we don't have to teach it. Bring him. <laughs> uh, and I had never danced with Tyler, I don't believe. And you know, she's OK. <laughs> <laughs> So um, one of the things that uh,
3: makes Veil vale seem like a good fit for you is Damien's always trying to throw people in new directions and have them try out new things. And certainly you've done a lot of rep here that you wouldn't get to do in your main season and you've even tapped alongside Michelle Dorrance. So what this year at the festival do you feel is kind of taking you outside of your box?
4: Well. We are reprising one two three four five six. I always feel very silly saying the whole title of the piece. <laughs> one two three four five six. Uh, it's a, a Michelle Doran's tap number, mm-hmm. and the first time we did it, I thought I was going to explode. I was so nervous. I haven't tapped really since I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and I had, you know, mild ability, but then after years of decay, <laughs> it, it became rather <laughs> grim. Uh, so. I'm excited to do that better this mm-hmm. time around, and uh, I know the steps this time, and I want it to be crisp and, and charming and fun.
1: So was that from 2017, that one? Because it's a relatively yes. recent one? Yes. So have, how have you been, pre- been preparing for that? Have you been thinking about it ahead of time, knowing it's coming, you know the steps? Have you I have been I a working? study
4: video, I got a new pair of tap shoes, I'm ready to stomp. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, So as we know, Vail is not just a dance festival, it's really like a think tank for creative minds where the best of the best come together and really work together to create something new and different. So is there anything that you've experienced here in Vail or gotten to do that you feel like you wouldn't have had the opportunity to do really anywhere else?
4: My favorite thing about Vail Dance Festival, International Dance Festival, sorry. Remember that? (laughs) I forgot the (laughs) I. is that I get to connect with uh, dancers from all over the world and not just be in the same gala with them, but actually dance with them.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So last night I did a surprise show of, of uh, the Elegy <coughs> Man in Serenade. And I was with Lauren Lovett, uh, Unity Phelan, and Isabella Boylston and Preston Shambley, And that's not a group you'll see anywhere else. So it seems like you've been doing more and more work
3: as a choreographer. And uh, you mentioned earlier that you, like your beginnings in dance, it seemed to be, you know, in kind of making dance, even if it's just throwing a pillowcase around. (laughs) So what was your journey? Did you stay creating dances throughout that process?
4: Or did you have to leave it, uh, put on the back burner for a little bit? I've always found ways to make opportunities for myself to make something. Mm -hmm. And it sort of began as music and music videos. And that spoke very much to my upbringing in the early 2000s and late 90s with TRL, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. Wade Robson, and Brian Friedman, and Blake McGrath, and all these amazing choreographers of that generation that did music videos and concerts and things. Uh, So I sort of just did what I wanted until I was afforded an opportunity. And so when I was in Boston Ballet, tried to make as many little dances as possible and I convinced my boss Miko Nisanen to to let me do one of the gala or what were they called the Boston Ballet Ball which is the main fundraising event of the year and so uh sort of my first opportunity to choreograph for the company there was this gala piece Mm -hmm. in which we were in a huge uh event space a really beautiful event space circular with glass a glass domed ceiling And they built a stage in the center of the space and all the banquet tables were around it. So I made a sort of uh, like atmosphere, site-specific dance. And I had so much fun doing that. And it felt for me like an awakening that I wanted to do, not just make pop videos, but Mm -hmm. I also love ballet. And I should make ballet dances as well. Why not? (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. So were you able to choreograph more in the company afterwards, or what sort of reception did that first um work have
4: well uh people seem to really like it it was a party <laughs> piece let's uh-huh. be real uh <laughs> and after that uh my friend melissa hoag who who was also a principal dancer in boston at the time and i made a potada that was for another gala but like on stage mm-hmm. and that was ballet contemporary ish uh and then let's see what else did i do and then i came to abt and mm-hmm. then i started choreographing for for galas and things. I made a potato de for Jillian and myself for the Indianapolis City Ballet Gala in 2015, maybe, mm-hmm. and that's still being done. I have to, I'm doing that again with Bella this summer, actually. Jillian's just had a a beautiful baby, boy Mm -hmm. named Axe, go figure. (laughs) uh, He's so cute, oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) So um, speaking about choreographing with ABT, ABT just recently launched a program called the ABT Incubator, which is for choreographers to create opportunities for them. So you participated in the inaugural year as a choreographer. Can you tell us a little bit about what this program is aiming to do and what your experience was like participating in it?
4: So the Incubator is... The point is to cultivate new talent and to explore freely uh, what's in your brain. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I didn't, I didn't really know what the rules were, and I, I literally got accepted to do it. I showed a piece that I had made. We, we had to like audition, which mm-hmm. was terrifying because it was, it was like Lara Lubovitch, Jessica Lang, Alexei Ratmansky, Kevin Mackenzie, cetera, Like a real moment. Uh-huh. Wow, uh, that was the panel uh, picking. Sorry? That's the panel picking. Yeah. 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 And so I taught Cassie, a uh, soloist at ABT, and Blaine, also a soloist, uh, a potato de that I had made, and they did an excerpt, and I I got the gig. <laughs> and I had to start thinking, all right, what am I gonna do? goodness. Um and I thought of I have an idea like a sort of feminist ballet celebrating the generations of women at ABT mm-hmm. and so I went to Jillian and I said please do my dance please do my dance please do my dance mm-hmm. she said yes and I went to Bella same thing yes and then Katherine Harlan and she said yes and so I had these three generations of outrageously talented women uh, and I wanted to do something to celebrate them
3: mm-hmm. so you just debuted a piece at Fire Island Dance Festival was that last week Um, and then you have your work premiering here tonight, at the Veil Dance Festival. When you are juggling multiple new works like that at once, how do you tailor that work to the specific needs of those artists, the venues, and their respective audiences?
4: Well, this is good. So for the (laughs) Fire Island piece, uh, we were in the middle of Met season. We had zero time to create the piece. So uh, it was a Sunday. We have Sundays off and it was right before Sleeping Beauty opened, and I met up with uh, Hurricane Katherine Herlin and Aaron Bell at, uh, at uh, what's up, Baryshnikov Arts Center, mm-hmm. BIC. And we were, I had to make a seven-minute potata in in one day. And I was feeling sort of strange. I thought I had a hangover. And I was like, oh, okay, I, let's, let's get moving. And I sort of would teach them things and sit down and be like, oh, I don't feel good, wow. Whoa. <laughs> and then and then, as the day progressed, I got more and more nauseous, mm-hmm. and we finished the potita de and I went home, and I started shaking, I had a fever oh. i was I had the stomach flu,
2: yeah,
4: <gasps> oh, no. yeah, and so Monday, I was supposed to do Sleeping Beauty with Isabella, and I was. Incapacitated for the entire night, and I had to call ABT and be like, "I, there's absolutely no way I'm a zombie," mm-hmm. and I was sick for a full week,
2: oh, like
4: no. fever you, and everything. Yeah, I ended up missing Beauty altogether. Miss Beauty altogether. Yeah, I was so bummed because the whole the whole season it was like smash, smash, mm-hmm. smash in a good way.
2: And
4: then, you know, when you go at that clip, your body uh, retaliates, and mm-hmm. and I don't always listen to my body. Dancers are kind of, you know,
3: it's a weird juxtap- juxtaposition. We're like really good at it and also awful. You yes. know, it's
4: like- I, I was- listen to it and ignore it.
1: <laughs> <As he did. laughs>
4: I know what's happening and walk away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you obviously have a lot of artistic interests and influences. What would you say is like your main influence though for choreography for what you put out on stage?
4: So my first dance teachers traveled the world with an adagio act, which is a, an acrobatic pas de deux act. And they traveled in the 80s uh, with this amazing, amazing act. And they taught me and my fellow peers at the school a lot of the lifts and things. And so a lot of that creeps into my work. It's like classical ballet plus Cirque du Soleil in a way. It's terrifying and so fun to watch for me, especially to see the generational knowledge passed down. Uh, And when I was a kid, we were doing really dangerous lifts mm-hmm. <laughs> but when when i look back i'm like that's insane you probably couldn't get away with that now which i love
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: nobody else is going to know about it uh-huh. you know that's uh-huh. true
3: so when you are casting a work that you are creating are you seeking out artists that have a similar sort of curiosity or hunger for new things
4: no i just cast dancers that i like to see dance <laughs> it's not <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to cast a person I loathe,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I usually just look for the people that I really respect as artists. Uh-huh. It's not illogical. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love that. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your new work that's premiering tonight? We're really excited to see it, how many people are involved in it, and did you always plan to have American Ballet Theater dancers as part of this, or did you kind of throw different ideas back and forth?
4: So this came about as a direct result of the incubator, actually. Mm. So once that all came down, I had a meeting with Kevin. I said, you know, don't forget about me. I like to make dances and they're not awful. So please don't forget about me. Uh, And he didn't. So when the Veil tour was announced, uh, there's a whole ABT show, which you'll see this evening, I presume. and. We didn't have enough dancers to do one of the pieces that we were slated to bring, which is mm-hmm. Songs of Bukovina, which mm-hmm. is a Rotmanski ballet. We did not have the dancers. So we said, you know, can you, can you whip something up for us? We're gonna have limited time, limited resources. And he said, absolutely, absolutely, I must. You know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you get a foot in the door, you just gotta barge in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I made a ballet in five days. It's about 20 minutes. And it, uh, it's called New American Romance. And it's my, my take on the romantic ballet, you know, like mm-hmm. the Les Sophie, the Pot Cot. And uh, I don't know, I just wanted to explore relationships and what they mean socially today. And it's not about, it's not about gender roles or anything specific. Uh, it's more about feeling and support and what I believe romance looks like now, right now. Mm -hmm.
1: So when you created something, like you're saying, that's new, how did you kind of honor the past and the technique and the steps and then create something new? Because also the women are in tulle Mm -hmm. dresses, Mm -hmm. right?
4: So aesthetically, I wanted to pay homage to the look of a romantic ballet. So they have full romantic tutus. And they're not white because that's been done. And, I mean, everything's been done, let's be real. Uh, so I have them in, in midnight blue romantic tutus that look really beautiful on stage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the men are in, you know, poet shirt, what have you, and tights. And uh, it looks very much like it's about to be Les feed mm-hmm. And it's very much not. <laughs> yeah, it it's very, well, OK. Heather Watts came to a rehearsal the other day. Mm-hmm. and. I was very nervous to have her there because I respect her opinion so much. And after it finished and I let the dancers go, I, I turn around and she's smiling at me and she says, that was strange and wonderful.
2: <laughs> and I
4: said, well, that's me.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah, it was, it was very touching. And I was, I don't know, I was just
3: mm-hmm. surprised. Yeah. yeah, I love to hear it. Like you just draw in from influence from so many different places. Um, but is there a direction you think that you might want to explore next as a choreographer? Is there something like a project or an idea that you haven't been able to
4: get on the stage yet? I'm desperate for a huge female core. Desperate. Oh, fun. I want to explore pattern work and structure and sculpture and all of that beautiful choreographic, you know, nerdy stuff. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, when I see a large female corps, like in Serenade, or in La Bayadere, or in Swan Lake, it is so powerful, the precision, the timing, the, the flow, the organism, and I'm desperate to get the opportunity to, mm-hmm. to explore that. Yeah. Well, let's get you a budget and 20 ladies, and... 20, <laughs> I want 30. You <laughs>
3: <laughs> um,
1: Tell us also about what else you're dancing here at the festival, what else our audience members will catch you doing on stage.
4: I'm excited to revisit Duo Concertante, this time with Lauren Lovett. Mm. And uh, it's one of my favorite ballets to dance. I think it's so uh, dynamic and serene all at once. And I look forward to doing that again. And I will be doing one, two, three, four, five, six. (laughs) (laughs) Put on my taps and doing a click, click. And I don't know what else I'm doing. Sometimes I show up here. Damien says, Bring bring all your costumes. And so I show up with about, you know, like four classical ballet costumes. And he's like, Alright, what what have what have you got? <laughs> I know that's demystifying.
1: <laughs> I was just gonna say, is there something that you've done like that that just came out of nowhere where you were just like, I yeah,
2: yeah.
4: Tell uh, us I think last year maybe White Swan came about that way with Devin. Mm-hmm. i I I didn't even have I had a black swan costume,
2: mm-hmm.
4: and uh, yeah, we did white swan, and I was in a black swan costume. Cool, but it, it worked. The programming didn't need black swan; it needed right. white swan, so yeah. I did that. Mm-hmm. I was happy to. Mm-hmm.
2: That's fantastic. Yeah. All right.
3: I think that we have time now to open the floor to some questions from our audience members. Can Hi, you? audience.
4: Okay, I'd like to get your feelings and thoughts on you know there a number of classical ballet dancers who have gone back and forth to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with your creativity, etc. you know, how do you feel about that, or a Broadway scripts to set, you know, to develop that? Well, how do you feel, and how is this, is is this integration getting bigger, or is there still the separation? I think it started
2: with West Side Story, where they started getting together. What do you think?
4: I mean, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I grew up on, on Broadway, and nerding out at Broadway shows, but, for me to be comfortable on Broadway, my dream, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, which is lofty indeed, is uh, to have a role created for me, something that is distinctly appropriate for me and something that I can really sink my teeth into in a in an exciting way. Mm-hmm. So awesome. listen up, choreographer. <laughs> where's my part? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone else?
1: Some more in the back? Nope yeah sure in uh, so uh your new work is going to be about um, your thoughts about romance in the current world so that word kind of evokes um, you know the old-fashioned romance but what are your thoughts about what it is today
4: i have never been romantic i am not romantic as a person uh as my boyfriend can attest <laughs> um i I mean, the title itself, is called New American Romance, which is confusing because the word romance is sort of dead. And so for me to resurrect romance, I, you know, it's something I, I really know nothing about, uh, but I have an idea of what I think it should be. And so what you're going to see is uh, people interacting in... In an independent way, in a codependent way, in a lonely way and and that's what I think true romance is
1: hmm. interesting. we saw some more hands right here
4: uh, so uh, with pieces like the diamonds, is there anything else that's in the works that's outside of a b T and is there any particular artist, choreographer, or director that you'd like to work with? oh, that's a great question. Um, there are stories that I would love to tell, and i uh, I'm reluctant to talk about them because I don't want to let the cat out of the bag because I'm going to do my darndest to make such things happen. Mm-hmm. But there are characters that I find really interesting that I would love to explore and stories that I want to tell. And I, I mean, of course, there are choreographers that I want to work with. I, I've never worked with Wielden. I'm dying to work with, with Chris, which is uh-huh. just insane. Uh-huh. It's time. <laughs> Chris, call me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you sure you don't want to let anything out of the bag? People like to break news on conversations on
4: dates. I know. Let's see what, what have I got cooking?
1: <laughs> I'm just teasing.
4: I'm gonna do a dance tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show a dance. I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> it's
1: your birthday, you have the night off. All right, anyone else? Yes.
4: For the new piece that you're premiering tonight, how did you select the music? I am a huge WC fan and I wanted to have something that could be played live. And so we have a limited budget, and I thought, okay, we need a solo pianist. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I essentially just explored uh, various Debussy pieces and found this very popular suite, uh, the Suite Bergamasque, and thought, you know, this is actually an interesting thing. Uh, Gemma Bond is also a choreographer. She uh, is an ABT dancer and we often you know swap ideas and notions about choreography and creation and she said to me i like to use music that isn't very good because Hmm. when i get the real huge opportunities i want to be able to use something really really exceptional Hmm. and that didn't make sense to me because i find each opportunity to be incredibly precious and rare and i figure I want to burst through the door. I don't want to creep in. So I'm attempting to do that with this piece. And uh, I'm praying that it affords more opportunity, but the door could slam shut. And that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you like to use sheet music as a choreographer at all? Some, some do, some don't have that in front of the room with them.
4: So I, ha- I have a system mm-hmm. uh, that is not common. And it was what my teachers taught me as a kid, mm-hmm. how to map music. Mm-hmm. And that being said, we were mapping pop music.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
4: it was straight eights. And for every, for every eight, I make a tick mark on a, on a ruled piece of paper mm-hmm. and go down and l- do it all by section of, of music. If it's a pop song, it would be intro, verse, bridge, chorus, outro, etc. But for classical music, uh, which is rarely all in an eight, uh, I write on each line the, you know, if it's a four, if it's a six, or if it's a five or an 11, and go down and write the time code of the music I'm using, uh, so that I can reference it section by section. And then I write descriptive words about what each section sounds like to me. Mm So. With the music uh, for tonight's piece, New American Romance, uh, I have things like sparkly bit or, <laughs> or undulations, you know, or uh, staccato click clacks, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I don't use sheet music, I make my own. Make your
1: own, yeah. That makes sense. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. So, as
2: you as a dancer choreographer and what goes on in your brain, in terms of the process, do you see it and hear it simultaneously, or how does the, the seeing and the hearing...
4: I work very fast as a choreographer. I, It all sort of happens magically. I don't understand it, and for a lot of this piece, this is going to be de- demystifying, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, I was in my living room. Uh, it, it was very early in the morning. I woke up, and my brain was just going 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 and I put on the music and I got my notebook out which I had already mapped out all the music and I set up my camera on my windowsill and choreographed the majority of the ballet in one go Mm -hmm. and uh, visually in my mind the piece happens I don't know it's not terribly it's thought out in a structure way but the steps themselves are the music in my Mm -hmm. mind it It's obvious to me.
3: Would that be the case in any work you do, or you just feel particularly inspired by this Debussy? Well, that's a good question. Like, what if someone commissioned said, James, I'm going to give you a million dollars to do this piece of music that you don't like? (laughs) What would your process be?
4: I'd be like, thank you for the money. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, (laughs) I'm taking the coin. Um, I had a difficult time with the third movement of this piece. I choreographed it last Mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't like it and then I taught it to them and I didn't like it (laughs) and then I didn't change it and now I think it's my favorite Mm -hmm. Ah. so I'm not always right Mm -hmm. uh, and my instinct is not always right and I have to learn to let go of uh, what I perceive as a block because it wasn't and just keep swimming. Mm -hmm.
1: Did you not change that part just because of like necessity, like time constraint? Do you think you would have if you had had more time?
4: Maybe, I'm not a huge futzer. Mm -hmm. I'm a set it and forget it kind of Mm -hmm. person. I don't know i don't feel like editing is always correct Mm -hmm. because you end up with something that confuses you Mm -hmm. and i knew what it was when i made it i made it like that on purpose Mm -hmm. i just didn't like it Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh and then as i watched it i thought the dancers are doing it better than my brain did it Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: and uh and that you can argue that you know a bad piece with good dancers is going to be okay but you never know Uh, It might be the dancers are good. It might be that the steps are good. We'll find out tonight. (laughs) (laughs) When you let go of instinct, what do you go with? Logic? I am a very pragmatic person and I approach things in a mathematical way just by accident. I can thank my father for that. And uh, when I let go of instinct, it's usually after the instinct has been performed. (laughs) So it's more, I guess, insecurity than letting go of instinct. It's Assessing what I've done and being like, oops, <laughs> and choosing whether or not to let it go. And in this case, I chose to let it go, and I think it paid off. Um, so I
1: just want to say uh, thank you for uh, some of the phrases you've said that um, reply outside of ballet. Like when you get your foot in the door, you've got to take it and go. So for mm-hmm. those of us who are no longer dancing or never danced, those are just really good life lessons that I think it's neat to hear. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank so, you. Yeah. Beautiful.
1: Yes. Yeah. I had the
2: pleasure of seeing dancer. How were you supported as a young dancer and what can we do more to keep young men in ballet?
4: So before I started dancing, people figured out that I was different. They sniffed it out. It's incredible. And when I was young in elementary school, I was like king of the class, most popular kid. I was fun. The girls loved me. The guys loved me. It was a good time. (laughs) Then they figured out there's something different about him. I don't like it. And so until I was nine years old, from, I don't know, probably like seven to nine, there was a huge shift in the way people treated me. And I didn't understand what that was because I didn't understand why I was different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started dancing. And that was where I got in the room with the other weirdos.
2: <laughs> and
4: I cannot tell you the shift in, in uh, acceptance, self-acceptance uh, at that point. And I was nine.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I said, I have friends, real friends, who I can be myself with. And that comes with art. That comes with being surrounded by people who are interested in something more than being prom king. Some, something that comes with discipline and deep, deep care. And uh, I think my biggest support at that time was my teachers. They knew that I had something that I didn't know I had, regardless of who I am as a person or what the details of my life are. Or my family, or anything. And so once I found dance, essentially, I, uh, I had the support I needed.
2: Beautiful. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. yeah uh, your bodies as dancers are like machines. And you come up to Vail and it's 8100 feet. Mm-hmm. I'm just interested in when you got here and uh, how you adjust. Because mm-hmm. I see the 20 dancers on the uh, stage last night and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I get out of breath just walking up this flight <laughs> of stairs, you know? Honestly, I was winded just taking my sweatshirt off before the... (laughs) It makes us feel better to be honest. How am I going to talk? I'm exhausted. (laughs) I don't know how we do it. It's a mind over body thing, you know? There's oxygen in the wings that some people use, some people don't. You feel like you're going to die. Your lungs are burning. You get your vision tunnels slightly. And uh, I'm really reluctant to do ballets that make me feel that way because I don't want to... That's awful. I don't want that. Yeah. So when they called you in for Elegy, you were, like, on board. I was like, oh, oh, I I guess I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's just modeling. Elegy is essentially just modeling. (laughs) To the most beautiful music ever. Uh, I mean, those women, too. I don't Mm. understand how, like, they have... Pantene Pro-V hair. They look like commercials. <laughs> which, <you> know, <laughs> uh, All
1: that hair. There's a lot of great hair.
4: <laughs> Any other questions?
1: Yes. You said you like to tell stories. Do you read, go to the
3: theater, watch movies? What other influences?
4: Hmm. I'm an avid reader. I read every day. Uh, I'm a huge fantasy and sci-fi fan. Uh, I love classic science fiction literature like Jules Verne and H.G. Uh, Wells. I think those would be really exciting uh, adaptations for dance in a very strange and wonderful way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'd say I get most of my pleasure from music and books, absolutely.
1: Thank you to our audience for joining us today and for their insightful questions. A huge thanks to James for taking the time to sit down with us. If you are in Vail for the Vail Dance Festival, visit their website for more information on our next six live events. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned to our social media this week as we continue to release content directly from the Vale Dance Festival as it happens. This episode has been made possible by the Town of Vale, a sponsor helping to host the Vale Dance Festival in our community. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen